Business Class, a podcast sponsored by the iBear MBA program of the USC Marshall School of Business. Expert insight into the world of business. This is Dick Drobnik, the director of the Mid-Career MBA program at the University of Southern California's Marshall School. And I'm here in Shanghai talking with Jim McGregor about his views of the Chinese economy and U.S.-China relations. Jim, welcome back to the iBear podcast series. Yeah, good to see you, Dick. Well, tell me, first of all, what you're doing uh, with APCO and, and in your private consulting life. We help multinationals with their problems in China, basically. And, and those problems are going down or going up? No, they're going up. Look, where, where we sit right now is um, probably the most... I'd say difficult and game-changing period in U.S.-China relations since rapprochement. You mean since when? Since Nixon came. Since Nixon came and George H.W. Bush uh, took over the embassy. When business got going. I mean, we're at a fundamental turning point, and here's why. The the U.S.-China economic relationship used to be the ballast in the relationship because, you know, there was there was a complementary nature to it. China got capital, know-how, and technology. Um, The U.S. got uh, inexpensive consumer goods. American companies made a lot of money. Those complimentary days are over. We are now in a very fierce competition for all the technologies of the future. We're both going the same place now, and we have two very different systems. And the interface between those systems is the problem. On one hand, China's got... Um, you know, lawyers in suits and WTO, and they, you know, they're part of the global game. Uh, at the same time, they have a authoritarian system um, that has all these advantages of non-market presence. I mean, this is not a trade war. This is a tech war, and China has this "Made in China 2025" policy that is aimed at all the technologies of the future, from chips to new materials to medical devices to transportation to electric vehicles, aviation, whatever. They also have set quotas that by this year, you know, 70% of the China market will be Chinese companies or 80% or 40%, depending on which sector and what they think they can do. Now, well, but they may achieve those or they may not. Yeah, but they want to achieve okay. it. We learned long ago you better listen to China when they say they're going to do something because if they, even if they can't do it, they're going to go like hell to do it. And what companies will be destroyed in the process? Because but we ought to listen to what they want to do. Thirty years ago this year, I visited Shanghai and had a dinner with former Mayor Wang Daohan, and he said to me, "Look at that big rice field across the Huangpo River, and we're going to create a." financial zone, a high-tech zone, a light manufacturing zone, and I'm looking, it's just rice fields and dirt and not paved roads. And I looked at it yesterday at the Shanghai Urban Planning Exposition, and they've done more than what they planned to do. I mean, it's just astounding. You're right. You better listen to China when they say they're going to do something. So China has huge advantages because if China, let's say China buys a tech company, um, and that a U.S. company, or a U.S. German company, company, German company. But that company here is now a Chinese company, 
and it's got all the funding, all of the market easing, all of the regulatory help, and essentially it can kill all the other foreign companies in the China market in that industry over time. Then they can't make it globally because if you're not leading in China, you're not going to lead globally. So this is the, why it's looked at as they, a, the foreign firms that were here before. Yeah, they, they, they can be knocked right out of the global market, actually, because this market is so important. And the leading tech companies, many of whom we work with in, you know, in China right now, is their largest and fastest growing market because China can't do the things they're doing right now. But China is hell bent on, on doing it themselves. This is why you know this is why the Germans are blocking investments because um, they were buying a lot of German companies um, blocking Chinese inward investment to Germany. Yes, the problem is China has just overreached and it's really too bad. But they have turned the, the they basically have turned their best friends against them. The, the global business community used to be China's best friend, not anymore. Um, I've watched the American business community turn over the last five years, and now even though. Um, this is a very important market, and people are keeping their heads down, not saying much. Uh, they're supporting what Trump is doing. You know, they said, well, this guy, first, you know, this guy's a wrecking ball. He's going to destroy our business. Now they're saying, well, he's a wrecking ball. We should get behind him because it's about time we push back. And do you think the arrest of the Huawei executive is part of the White House strategy? Well, I, I wouldn't accuse the White House of having a strategy. Um, they have an attitude, and they've got a lot of things going. I think the I think the NSC has a strategy that, that's evolved over time, but I don't know if the president even knows what that is. The National Security Council. Yes. If you look at Penn, uh, you know Vice President Pence's speech in early October at the Hudson Institute, that was very harsh, but it also does it does reflect the U.S. view that it's time to push back on a lot of things. The U.S. and other countries have just kind of accepted China's behavior for a long time, um, and now it's just kind of, you know, it's reached a tipping point. So the Huawei thing is, the U.S. is serious about Iran sanctions, and, and um, the Huawei was violating it. Same thing with ZTE. We're now looking at the SEC pushing back on the auditing problem where Chinese companies listed in America don't don't provide um, clear audits claiming national security. China's had a whole of government strategy its entire time. That's what they do. Um, and now I think that's what the U.S. is, is doing. So we're going to probably see more of this. But this arrest is so uh, kind of jaw-dropping because coincidentally it happened as Trump was meeting with Xi. Chinese enjoying Argentine's beef. Right. Well, the last time they met, we, we, we launched missiles to Syria as they're having their chocolate cake. Um, there is no way China will not think this is timed and political. So it's very worrisome now. We, you know, the, the technology companies are starting to put out um, you know, rules to their employee, their senior employees don't go to China for a while. Others are thinking, well, maybe I should take because the Chinese might arrest them. On, yeah, there's uh, worry. Their participation there's a, in the Taiwanese economy, or yeah, whatever. You know, they're 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 looking that there might be a tit for tat. If that happens, it would be very unfortunate because that could really escalate this out of control. You know, this is China's most important technology company. And this is like arresting Ivanka Trump or something. I mean, this is the daughter of the founder who's been arrested. Um, this is the most ideologically tight time since I've been here, and I've been here since 1990. What, what's, what's the date for the onset of this? Has it been a slowly creeping thing under Xi? Has, has there been any kind of clear dates when 
it's been creeping um, probably the party 19th party Congress where term limits were lifted and um, you know became it became all about she even more so than it was before um, you know we got made in China 2025 and Belt and Road and Xi Jinping's uh, thought put into the Constitution the party Constitution um, that's where it's really tightened up but this has been this has been rolled out but Jim, you, you mentioned the 2025 plan and the Belt and Road plan as if they are bad things. I mean, the U.S. has its own version of a 2025. It doesn't, we don't call it that, but we call it DARPA and defense spending. And uh, we have goals in mind, and then we have the private sector pushing through, but the government funds the universities, and universities spin out the technologies. Uh, we had the Marshall Plan after World War II to replace a broken-down uh, Europe. Uh, these weren't bad things. Uh, why are these Chinese efforts to improve itself in AI and improve itself in something else a bad thing? Because uh, we didn't have quotas to knock out any other companies in that in that well, there sector. Were, there were no other companies because they were all we bombed bombed them flat in Germany and Japan. So we didn't worry about that. Okay, but um, look, I, I I can do the corollary to this is we should get our stuff together well, that, in America. We, of course, we have just been, I mean, look what we've been doing. We're cutting taxes so you can't put any money into S&T. We're making the rich richer. We've, we've killed the middle class. Um, you know, we've, uh, we used to do planning. I mean, we used to, you know, you're right. I mean, we can blame China for a lot, but a lot of our problems are caused by ourselves. Well, but still, this plan is different because it's about dominating technology and knocking foreign companies out of this market. That, that, so that second part, I think, is bad. But building technologies, no, you got to give China. You got to give China a lot of credit. They're looking five, ten, twenty, thirty years out. We can't pass a damn budget in America that will last more than two weeks. But this is a this is a plan to knock foreign companies out of this market. That's the problem. China is now a global power, but its system is different than everybody else that has a market system. And so that interface is the problem. How do you, uh, how do you have an interface where, where um, the, the advantage of the state economy and all that state money doesn't offset, you know, isn't able to kill a market-based system? Now, there's, you know, we, we need to fix ourselves. I, I absolutely agree. And I, you know, and I remember watching Xi Jinping's speech of the 19th Party Congress where he is saying, we are going to, we're going to do this on healthcare. We're going to do this on longevity. We're going to do this on technology. We're going to do this on our roads. And I'm thinking, God, look at this guy. He is talking about the future and what they're going to do here. And all we are doing is chasing our tails and yelling at each other on TV in America. Does AmCham China have a position on this? Does do the American corporate leaders here have any uh, organized view about stuff like that? Actually, Amcham China is the one that woke up Capitol Hill to Made in China 2025. We, we go there every year. And, you know, in May we met with 50 congressional offices, state, treasury, White House, you name it. And for the last several years, we've been going there and saying Made in China 2025 is an existential threat to the U.S., technology leadership and you need to do something about it and it it um 
we were there this year in May. The, every yeah. every member of Congress knew what 2025 was, and in, in you know different levels of knowledge. Um, I mean, China has no friends in Washington outside the Chinese embassy right now, and you know what? Um, it wasn't easy to turn the American business community into a critic of China, but China has done that. This is not the American business community doing it. It's China's behavior that has done it. And so, you know, China, it's a, it's a story of overreach. You know, my father had a saying, everything, anything worth doing is worth overdoing, and that could be the, that could be the slogan of the party planners. So we have this U.S.-China trade friction or trade war, and, and there's been a truce of 90 days. Trump is going to wait 90 days to decide whether or not to move the tariffs from 10% to 25%. Do you think that the truce will continue to be put in place or elongated, or do you think on uh, uh, March 1st the tariffs are going to go up? It's going to be pretty hard to put those tariffs up because of the damage to the U.S. economy. You know, those tariffs, you got to remember that um, 50% of, uh, of, of exports from China are from foreign invested companies, 70 to 80 percent for technology products. So first number was 50 percent. Yeah. All exports from China are coming from foreign invested companies. Yes. 70 70 or 80 from high tech companies. Yeah. So this is going to whack back on our on the stock market. And the 10 percent that tariffs so far, China's bled its currency a bit, so you know, they make up for that somewhat, but uh, 25% is, 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 is very serious. Also, China, this place is drowning in debt. The only way they fix that is they always grow out of their problems in China, and that 25% will affect growth seriously. I mean, already supply chains are moving. Uh, yeah, we should talk about this a bit. What, what's happening now, it's very interesting, actually. Um, deal shops here are busier than ever with small deals because a lot of the foreign companies are embedding themselves deeper in China. They're, 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 they're doing joint ventures. They're doing partnerships. They're buying small Chinese companies that give them access to second, third, and fourth tier cities. And, you know, they're getting more deep into it. And this is in autos and auto parts and... and um, some electronics, you know, chemicals, paint, coatings, this kind of, a, you know, the heavy industry stuff. Companies that manufacture here for this market in the world are um, moving supply chains in. People that um, source from here are moving supply chains out. Uh, they, you know, they want to cross borders less. That will continue. And part of it has actually been... You know, this has been, <clears throat> has been delayed because costs here have gotten have gone a lot higher. Um, you know, Mexico is now has lower labor costs than China. Sure. Um, and you know, actually, I'll tell you a story. I was I was at uh, I was at a, a, a big Chi- one of the biggest Chinese electronics companies recently in Shenzhen. We were there with the chairman. We were visiting his new seven billion dollar plant. Um, the outside wall of this building is five kilometers if you walk around it. Everything in that plant is robotics. Um, everything's made with robotics. And I said to him, you know, you're going to get hit by these tariffs. You know, will you consider moving some production to America? 
He said, no, America doesn't have the engineers, doesn't have the plant managers, doesn't have a supply chain. I'll just expand in Mexico. And actually what's happening now is they, they call it VIP, Vietnam, Indonesia, Philippines, and, and also Mexico. There should be an M on there, too, on where manufacturing is going to move to. Yeah, Wendy Cutler, one of the uh, architects of the, uh, the, T- the American side of the TPP, was speaking to our class uh, about six months ago. And she just said, there's no chance that the TPP-11 are going to beg the U.S. to come back in and reopen negotiations with these guys. The U.S. pulling out of TPP, to me, is the biggest blunder we've made since invading Iraq. Um, you know, we, it, it's that serious. Maybe not in, you know, in, in bloodshed in life, of course not. But in discrediting yourself in a region for a generation or two, um, think about this. These countries, for five, ten years, had battles internal on, well, we're not giving that up, but we'll give it up. And, and they went through you know, blood, sweat, and tears to come to an agreement. And then uh, the U.S. pulls out. I mean, this is so damaging. And then they're left with at the mercy of China. Jim, we're going to have to close so you can uh, go enlighten our students. Uh, any parting thoughts that you'd like to provide to the Iber podcast audience? Well, as you can see, I'm fairly critical of some of the things China's doing because I'm in the trenches here every day. But if, if this podcast were about America, I could, I could go on and on about how we are causing our own problems and we better get our stuff together. You know, China's got a plan and they're executing it. We may not like their plan, um, but we got no plan. Clearly, we need to go to longer-term thinking. And uh, let's spend some time next time talking about how we might do well, I think we can, you know, I look at what's going on in America right now politically as our cultural revolution, so maybe we can come out of this with reform and opening. <laughs> on that happy note, uh, thank you, Jim. Business class. Expert insight into the world of business. The host is Dick Drobnik, producer Pankaj Bhushan, director Dan Griffin, web developer Rick Pine, and I am Robin Garthwaite. <laughs>